in the love the number five. I have to pick up by wearing a towel. Mom, you're naked. Stop looking at me, Swan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have until the count of five. Here we are. My name is. Oh, now he sounds happy. Oh, I'm fucking miserable inside, Jesse. This is the Got Till Five podcast. Max has been having a little tantrum before we came on air because he couldn't get the lighting right. That's right, everyone. I'm a prima donna on a podcast. It was like I just doesn't my my lighting is right. Look like my skin looks terrible. Oh, I'm gonna lose my shit. He's, he was very upset. Andy's annoyed because I came on camera and we're both almost wearing like twinsy shirts. So that annoyed you. <laughs> you were like, I'm going to take my shirt off. <laughs> Slowly throughout the show. <laughs> <Da-na>. <laughs> oh. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us. This is not a good way to start because this is episode 99. But 99, a bit one. Yeah. A bit this we're is our penultimate. One off. One off our final ever episode of Got Till Five before we which take is, a little break, which is emotional, heart wrenching. Is I it? Think. Nah, yeah, I'm ready for this shit to be done. God bless them. We've done we've done a lot of top fives. Well, ninety nine of them. I think te- <laughs> technically a um, hundred of them because there was one sort of mystery episode that where the recording mucked up. So there's actually we've actually done a hundred episodes, but only ninety nine have been released. Uh, 101, because there was the episode we did on Beyond the Mat, which got taken down for copyright reasons. Ah, okay. So this is te- kind of our 100th episode. And then we've done a whole bunch of bonus guest spot top five. So we're probably in the 200s at this point. <laughs> oh God, it's been so much. I've <laughs> talked to you. We've been best friends since we were like 13 years old. And so it concerns me, to be honest, that we've been doing this for what, two years? Something like that? Over oh, three two- and a half years. Fuck it out. Okay, three and a half years. But still, there's hours and hours and hours on... I'm holding my phone because it's on Spotify for me, but, you know, wherever you listen to your podcast, hours and hours of us just talking to each other. And that's only a microcosm of, um, of like, our friendship. Do you know what I mean? Like, all that talk that we would have done as teenagers and through most of our 20s was never recorded. And it was all gold like this. What a waste. What a waste. And fuck you, Steve. You know I'm in a bad mood, and you're coming here like, oh, <laughs> yes, he's done 99 because Max That's is in true. Surgery. Yeah, I've done more got till five episodes than you because Steve stepped in um, as my wonderful co-host when you couldn't make it because you're a big baby girl. I was, I was getting cut open, guys. You, can you were having me. surgery on your collarbone, weren't you, bastards? <laughs> um, we, we need to acknowledge why. From this angle, just a muscly up man. You can't even tell who it is. Stone Cold is standing behind you right now. Stone Cold. Well, I thought I'd invite him. Nice, ninety ninth episode, <laughs> special occasion. Yeah, very, very wise choice. Um, with the flat cap as well. Yeah, I put the what? flat cap on him. It's amazing how just the addition of a flat cap turns Stone Cold from like the Texas Rattlesnake, toughest SOB, to a gay biker stripper boy. And I love that you've kept the hat on him. It, I think it, I, I like it. I like having a gay stripper in the house. Like, what's, what's wrong with that? <laughs> Adds a little bit of warmth to the place. Um, so this episode, everyone, is... This is weird. This is so weird. Like, I'm into we, it, though. We've gone very arrogant with this episode, where we are literally just going to click a random generator. And here... Yeah, but like, we're like, this is going to be gold, because we're really good, and all that's going to happen is it's going to happen, and we're just going to be like... 
just just give me a minute. Just let me just think. <laughs> uh, that's going to be half the episode. Well, we're live, so that's challenge number one. Uh, we don't know what's going to come up on the generator. That's challenge number two. And we're both very tired. That's challenge number three. Challenge three, we're both very tired. So <laughs> I've got my gym jams on. Underneath oh. <laughs> Pretty boy. Well, I've got the wine on the go, so I'm hoping um, something happens. Lovely. I haven't had a drink for um, nearly a week. It's not an accomplishment, mate. It's just normal. <laughs> it is for me. I haven't had a drink Hi, for my three name is hours. <laughs> no, I haven't had a drink. Like, but like that's not like because I'm the sort of person that goes to the pub after work regularly, and I haven't done that for nearly a week, which is good for me. I'm drinking coffee. Drink. So Steve thinks this is all a work that we've planned this, that we're going to know what a random generator is going to throw. Oh us. God! If you think this is a work, Steve. You do not know us. When you see the shoddy quality of, of this podcast, you will see, oh no, if they plan that, it's almost like Andy Kaufman in its avant-garde <laughs> shitness. <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> it's going to be our finest hour. Um, so, yeah, do you want to... Because we're going to do a couple of these, by the way, everyone. We've got, I think, 28 choices of what could come up on today's episode. We're going to so do a couple doing, of them. How many each are we doing? Uh, well, I thought we'd go... We can, uh, as we normally do, we'll double team them just to make life a little bit easier on ourselves instead of yeah. someone going five and five. And we'll aim for we'll aim for five. We'll aim for five topics, and that's maths twenty five. Pay. Uh, oh no! And we're both but, gonna so five to- And we're both gonna pick one from that topic each. Well, we're gonna try and do a top five like we normally do. So we'll uh, just hope for the best, Jesse. Just hope okay. I'm just gonna. I'll speak when I'm spoken to. Good, good choice, good choice. All right, let's uh, let's get the wheel of doom up and see what's going to come up for our number one picture. Like the coloring, nice little. I nice little do movie. sort of. Wait. I mean, I know I know orange and white Wait. is our branding. I'm not sure where the brown and black has come from. It just pulled it from the image. Uh, I added audio to it, and I realized there was no audio attached to it. And I just can't can't be having more disappointments today, Jesse. Just can't be having it. You're okay. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, the first top five topic of today is going to be top five role models. Oh Jesus! You've you've put so much you've put so much work into this. Why have you put so much work into this? <laughs> Why not? Why not, Jesse? Okay. I enjoyed so. the mariachi. I didn't know she spoke. That was kind of terrifying. <clears throat> okay. I didn't so. I didn't hear anyone speak. Maybe that was only on your end. I don't know if it'll come through the recording. Oh god, I hope I hope so. <laughs> did everyone else hear that? <laughs> Please put it in the comments if you did. <laughs> Go kill children. That's what she um, said. So, so a lot of these are kind of ones that me and Jesse have wanted to do in the past. We've had a couple of suggestions from people on the Twitterverse. I think this is one of them because it's a bit shit. Um, and a couple just from like dear friends who have, have put their names in the hat. So role models. Do you have any? Any role models? So what am I doing? Just picking one now and we're going to talk Pick about it now. like we normally do. Yeah. Yep. Um, we're going to spend okay. five minutes on this five minutes Od- shit. oddly um off the top of my head just then and i wasn't expecting this um but when i saw that like i i would 
I almost want to be cool and say like, well, Travis Barker, man, or like Bill Stevenson. We had him on the show. He's like my favorite drummer from my favorite band. He's, but for some reason, as soon as that came up, the first name that appeared in my head was Ewan McGregor. Interesting. Why is that? Yeah. Why like, is that, that? That was a knee-jerk reaction. It was like, oh, you and McGregor. And I, <laughs> I don't know why. I think because like he's um he's a phenomenal actor, first off. You cannot name many Duff you uh you and McGregor films. And even the Duff films, you have to say that he put in the best performance he possibly could. Yeah. Um on top of that. Um, he's a fantastic musician, which he doesn't actually go on about all that much, but he is. He's a very good um, guitarist and singer. I didn't know that. Didn't yeah. even know that. There you go. Um, he rides a little motorbike, which is nice, and um, has done some amazing TV shows on that. And he just seems like the nicest man in the world. It was actually long way down up round his TV shows that he did with his mate, Charlie um, Borman. Um, that is what made me go, you are the nicest man in the world, because this is a international hollywood celebrity and it's weird when you sort of talk about famous people you go oh but he's so nice and it's like yeah why the fuck shouldn't he be but like sometimes they go above and beyond and you think this guy like everywhere he goes people are going oh obi-wan kenobi and he's just so cool with it and just nice to everyone and so chill and i just think everyone should be more like Ewan McGregor. He's just the nicest dude in the world. He's a consummate professional. He's really good at his job without being arrogant about it. Just a dude. Just a really, really nice guy, I think. That's what we all should strive to be. Well, you're going to love later, because if it comes up, in the list is top five Ewan McGregor films. So who knows? Maybe we'll get more Ewan later. Um, for me, I would have to jump in with uh, Adam Kroller. He, okay. He's a dick. Like I, I think yeah. he's he's strayed very far from from the path of what I was into growing up. Uh, but Adam Kroller was the whole reason that this is happening. Um, listening to him, age fourteen, on Loveline and all of those kind of shows, he was the first kind of proper radio voice I heard. And to a fourteen-year-old, he's very funny. As you get older, you go, mm, "You're you've got some very uh, backwards views there, Mister Kroller." But and and who introduced you to Adam Kroller? Jesse Benz, while we were listening to a Lincoln Park live. Does that, does that by proxy make me your idol? What? No, no, it doesn't. <laughs> it just means you're very linked, my friend. I think it think does. It. Think I, think it. It does. I think it does. I think it does. So uh, listening to him, and that's the reason I got went to university and I got into radio production, journalism, and then I went on to radio shows and then into podcasting and now doing the job I do now for a living really boils down to that one night in Centre Parks with you. One night. <laughs> one night in Centre Parks. <laughs> one night in Paradise. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. I took um, my family, my mum and my stepdad and me went to Centre Parks. I was allowed to take a little friend and I chose Max. And we went there and yeah, we just stayed up listening to Loveline and it was lovely. We like The main things about Centre Parks are bicycling and swimming. I can't swim and I, I wasn't that confident on a bicycle back then. So what could you do? We just sat in. I remember, actually, that was when, because you were staying with me, I had, like, long emo hair at the time. Yes. And I straightened it because my hair was very naturally curly. And it was, and obviously you don't want people to know that, but Max had to know that because I had to look good on my weekend in Centrefax. So I just remember, like, taking you to one side. And I was like, if you ever tell anyone I straightened my hair, I will cut you. <laughs> you word were, like, for word, He's not exaggerating. You. He's not exaggerating. <laughs> it was word for word. <laughs> 
glorious times. And because of that weekend, I'm now in the position that I am doing exactly. 99 episodes over three and a half years with you. <laughs> you love it. But yeah, Adam Carolla is great. Um, a sort of a sort of lazy comparison to Brits who don't know who he is. He's kind of the Jeremy Clarkson of America yeah. in many ways, like just sort of outspoken, um, but fun like a bit of a knob but funny with it you know what i mean and yeah. um yeah his um and then his morning radio shows are fantastic yeah he's a very good talk show very americans good. do talk radio in a way that the english have never managed no can't even touch can't even mm. touch um number three for you oh shit we're going like properly through um okay so I'm, I'm still confused by the concept um so <laughs> <laughs> okay uh next one um i will go for bill stevenson you know just because um we did have him on the show a bit of a cheap plug he's the drummer of the descendants who are a band that um this is actually a descendant shirt that arrived today this is right i bought this last week from america and it arrived today that's amazing I, I, i'm wearing a descendants-esque you are. um i bought this two months ago yeah <laughs> and it showed up last week it's crazy. Like, my work, because of Brexit and all that, like, it's impossible to get stuff from Europe right now. Um, but America, they'll just chuck you some of it straight away. This shirt, anyway. Yeah. Maybe Bill put a word in. But um, I um, I love Descendants. They're my favourite band in the world. I um, am a drummer. I enjoy drumming. Bill Stevenson, to me, is one of the purest, greatest drummers and songwriters. His work ethic has been off the scale his entire career. Um, he runs a studio. He's recorded some amazing bands. He just doesn't stop working. Um He's also played in Black Flag and All and the Lemonheads, um, all sorts of bands. Only Crime, they're very good. Um, just uh, self-taught drummer, just natural musician, total savant, um, which is awesome. Sort of the same as Ewan McGregor in many ways, just really good at your job without being arrogant about it. Ewan McGregor and Bill Stevenson, like two peas in a pod. I feel like Ewan McGregor's going to be like a constant comparison. No matter what comes <laughs> up, you're going to be like, well, as Ewan McGregor would do. I Bill just love Stevenson. that man. Great shout, great shout. Um, for me, very simple. Let, let's keep it simple. Everyone knows we're starting easy with this one. Uh, Edge. Edge is my whole influence of wrestling and my love of Canadian mountain men and just being a good dude. He's another one like Ewan McGregor. <laughs> he's the good dude. He's the Ewan McGregor of the wrestling world. Where everyone's yeah. like, Edge, and he's always just like, there. And you want to take it? a bike trip with him. Wasn't it just so wholesome of him when he shagged Lita behind Matt Hardy's back? Like, what like, a just... stand-up, what stand-up dude. Yeah, but he he got he got over that when he met me and he said, I like your t-shirt. So, like, come on, Jesse. Check some balances. Check some balances. There you go. Yeah. Nice. So, um, absolute angel. Of course you were waiting for Edge. Everyone was. He's uh, the best thing Canada has ever produced. And I think... In this list, there is a top five Canadians, which was suggested by Steve. And guess who's going to be in the fucking list? <laughs> yeah, we can. I suppose we can do crossovers in this, can't we? If another one pops up that is relevant. <laughs> I was very tempted to go with uh, that man, Steve. A few audio listeners on that comment. He's here and he's very mad. But no, for my final, this is my final choice on role models. Is that right? Yeah. Before we move on. Okay. I'm going to go for James Bond. Who, I mean, you didn't specify fictional or not. I didn't. And I just, who in their heart of hearts wouldn't want to be James Bond? You might not like him, but if you could be him, you would be him. Right. I'm talking specifically the Sean Connery James Bond back when sexism was all right. And 
like he just Goldfinger, right? I was watching it the other day, and um, when Felix turns up to Miami and finds Bond, he's getting a massage from a girl, and um, he just goes, "Oh, well, I can't remember the girl's name, Pip." Let's say, "Oh, Pip, say hello to Felix." Hi, Felix, say hello to Pip. Hi. Pip, say goodbye to Felix. She goes, what? And he goes, oh, man stuff. See you later. And as she walks off, he just slaps her on the arse. And that's and that's it. That's her whole part in that film. She doesn't come back. That's brilliant. I want people in my life like that. <laughs> you can't have them in your life like that, Jesse. That's not allowed. Well, no, not anymore. But in the 60s, when you were James Bond as Sean Connery, it was. So that's my role model. Uh, Jesse's influence out of you has just dropped like a stone just down fucking <laughs> out. He's <laughs> yeah, even on my phone wallpaper right now. They'll come back for the next top five. We'll be fine. They'll come back. Uh, <laughs> um, yes, is not Jesse's, okay. <laughs> Jesse's influence at the moment has been Hitman and James Bond movies. So, and you McGregor. So prepare for a, a lot of. <laughs> Similar themes throughout this show as we kind of go on. Um, okay, just to kind of wrap up on my one. Weirdly, I thought about Fat Mike. Okay. Because, because, and this is why, he has made terrible life decisions. He's an alcoholic. Yeah. He's had very strong drug problems. Not problems. He manages them quite well. Don't want to make him out like an addict, but, you know, as it is. But what a business mind. What a genius, like, just how he approaches life of just, I'm going to have my own record, I'm going to stick to my beliefs, I'm going to do what I love, I'm going to stick to what I love, and I'm just going to be true to myself. And I feel like Fat Mike... With what? Erin, his ex-wife, like, they they were a very equal partnership with all that label stuff. It wasn't all Fat Mike, he's just the famous one. They both worked very hard together. Yes, but Jesse, come on, you were just talking about sexism. Like, you can't know, fly the flip on the other back. side. I'm trying to bring it back, all right? I'm trying. Erin did a great job as well, but I'm talking specifically about how Fat Mike ran his element of it and how he is as a person with, like, I like dressing in women's clothes. Doesn't mean anything, just find it comfortable. And it's just that kind of, like, I want to release albums on this, and I like this band, I'll put them on. And now he's sober and all this kind of stuff. Seems like a good dad, dominatrix stuff. It's all good shit. It's all good shit. He's released a couple of Descendants albums, so he's all right in my book. Exactly. So I think that was quite an easy one to start off with. I feel warmed up. We're naturals. There's probably tough ones in there, though. Yeah, that was a good warm-up, though. That was a good warm-up. By the way, people viewing, if you have any in the comments that you want to just kind of chuck at us, feel free. We're we're old hat at this now. We can we can, we can quick no we problem. can quick fire them maybe at the end. Yeah, yeah. in the comments, we'll quick fire them at the end for you. Okay, uh, fucking hell, I'm not going to put that comment up. Um, so should we do another? <laughs> Give me the gist. <laughs> no, should we do another spin of the wheel? Yes. Okay, okay. Oh, I didn't remove that one. I should have removed it. Oh well. <laughs> Top five skateboarders of all time. Hmm. I think this is this can be a quick fire one, can't it? Yeah, we could fire through this one. Uh, do you want to go first this time? Um. Yes. Let's let, let's start off strong. Let's go a bit of actually. I'm going to put it for the people viewing because like people who missed the like spinny thing, they might uh, they might miss what the actual topic is. So 
top five skateboarders of all time. Everyone who's just joined, hello, welcome to the show. <clears throat> uh, let's start strong with um, Bob Burnquist. Nice, very talented work skateboarder. Gonna work my way down, Bob Burnquist, incredible skateboarder on the old Tony Hawk's games. He would be my kind of main pick of what I would go for. And yeah, as you say, great vert skater, great tricks that he's kind of brought to the to the table, and is your most stereotypical looking skater you can imagine. He's the first skateboarder I ever saw wearing glasses, like like proper specs while he skated, and I thought that was cool. Stick with us, Ninterd. If you don't know who he's Tony a quick Hawk is. fire, don't worry, we'll be through the skateboarders before you know it. Patience. Um, for you, Mr. Benz. Um, I'll start with Jamie Thomas because he founded Zero, which mm. is my favorite skateboard brand of all time. Um, he's a very good sort of street skater. Uh, to this day, if you follow his Instagram and stuff, he must be, it is like mid 40s now, I'm guessing, like maybe even approaching 50. And the dude um, could still tear it up. He's amazing. Um, he runs an amazing company in Zero. Um, and Again, like businessman, like we were just talking about Fat Mike and things like that, like just started this thing. He was ne- he's, he, he always knew he was never going to be the greatest skateboarder in the world. So what he did is he founded this company and um, kept himself on the map and made himself a legend in the business that way, which I really respect. Yeah, 100% agree. And as you say, one of your favorite brands and you got him all tattooed up on your arm. Not him I specifically. Do. That'll be weird. Yeah. But you got yeah, a skateboard. Uh, a zero skateboard on my arm. Beautiful. Um, I'll go a little bit more modern this time. Um, I always talk about it, but Letitia Buffoni, the Brazilian yeah. skateboarder. Who well, is Burnquist is mod- Brazilian as well. Did you know that? So you've gone for two Brazilians. There you go. Mm, I love me some Brazilians. Mm. But uh, she is a multi-gold winner at the X Games, sponsored by Red Bull. Um, her, like, if you follow her on Instagram, she's got this great kind of like ramp set up outside in her back garden. And it's just living one of those lives that just makes you go, fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> I'd, yeah, I'd love that. Just a ramp in your back garden where no one can to see you. To a pool you, just... she, so she can like oh, ride okay. on and go into a pool and all that. And just living the best life off the back of skateboard money. Like, she's not like the rest of them where she's just doing it all. The, like, she does it a lot, but it's not like everything. She's just enjoying life off the back of X Games money. And who would have thought that, like, the amount of money you can make from X Games and shit. Oh god, yeah. It's yeah, it's ridiculous. It's that and the um sort of the sponsorships and stuff as well. Darby Steve, Allen. Steve's is Darby Allen. Um Nintendo is going for Goofy and Disney Sports skateboarding. Hey. That's strong. That's very can't strong. argue. Can't argue. Yeah. Yeah. Um Spyro the Dragon as well is one for me. He has a few skateboarding levels in Spyro two or three, can't remember, but they're very fun. Um my next proper choice would be um, Mike Vallely, um, mm. who I think um, has he's been around for a long time. He's been like skating since the 80s. Um, the dude just does his own thing. And I think it's awesome. He just makes up his own tricks. He's all about the like, um, ho-ho, like handstands and putting your hands on the floor and grabbing the board. Stuff that isn't competition legal at all. But he's made a name for himself by just doing that stuff because he loves it and i love that just got his own style some people think it's clunky or like not you know true to skateboarding i think he's a pioneer and it makes skating accessible to everyone because if you can't do the posh shit odds are you can do some mike valerie shit and i think that's awesome yeah yeah without a doubt um and he seems like a top dude as well 
And his style is sick. Like I remember us watching those YouTube videos, um, and the stuff he can kind of create and do is just like mind-boggling. Yeah. How how many have we done now? Is that four? Uh, we got one more each. Okay. Um, okay. I think I know who you're going to pick. So I'm going to say let's just go for the OG Tony Hawk. Um, okay. I like Birdhouse boards a lot. I think you have one. I do have a birdhouse board. He makes skating accessible for everyone. And he is the poster child of um, skateboarding. And there's a reason he is, because he is that damn good at what he does. And he innovated a lot of what we see in the space. And he just has... I also like that he is another one of these Ewan McGregor types, who is very calm in what he brings to the table. Like, everyone's like, hey, Tony Hawk. And he's like, yep, Tony Hawk. (laughs) Or people go, are you Tony Hawk? And he'll go, yeah. And they're like, ah, you get out of here. You know, not Tony Hawk. <laughs> it's because he's, he's such a normal guy. looking dude, right? Like, yeah. you, see, you see him and he's and just the name so as ordinary well. looking. Yeah. Anthony. Anthony Hawk. Um, and I just love that he made accessible uh, skateboarding accessible for like kids. And he promoted having headgear and safety. And like, he wasn't like, oh, I'm just a cool dude, man. Like Tony Hawk is, is just a lovely person. Yeah, and the video—I mean, the Tony Hawk video games—are the reason why we're all in love with skateboarding. If we're honest, exactly. With so that was we, our we, first. Yeah, we can't deny it. it. It's always easy to be like, "Oh, I'm not going to pick the popular one as like the choice," but there's a reason Tony Hawk is the face of skateboarding. He's the reason all of us are into it as we are now. Exactly. No arguing with me. What? No arguing. No arguing. Yeah. I'm not Get arguing out. here. Not arguing. Speak what I've spoken to. That's what I'm doing today. Good luck. Um. My number one will be Rodney Mullen, who is um, the OG of the OG. Yeah, of course, Rodney Mullen. Rodney Mullen, for the uninitiated, is the Jimi Hendrix of skateboarding. There is no one better. I mean, not like he doesn't do ramps or anything, but as far as like street skating and flat ground, there is no one that could even touch him. Um, he's been going forever. He's been going since the eighties as well. Um, he um, invented the ollie, like that. You know, when you pop the board and jump in the air. Every modern trick is based around that, and he invented it. That's insane. He basically did loads of flat ground sort of stuff, flipping the board around like under his feet. Suddenly, that became not like street skating became the trendy thing in the early nineties. Mm-hmm. And he and he was like, "Oh, okay, I guess I'll just learn how to street skate then." And then within like a day, he's just like the best street skater <laughs> as well. And it's just ridiculous. And he's so like, he's such a savant. You watch him interview, and like he just thinks in skateboards there's nothing else that he does with his life nothing else he's interested in no one can touch just youtube him if you haven't seen him anyone listen I, Rodney I was, Mullen. i was about to say that's the best way to understand exactly what we're talking about what's that um it's, it's like watching a like the best dancer you've ever seen on a skateboard right or like a yeah. gymnast it's incredible What's that channel that we were watching? There's this guy who tries to recreate Rodney Mullen's like signature tricks and stuff that he made. Um, and oh God! He, um, I think, and he just goes, "It's yeah, impossible. Uh, it's not. It's not doable." Yeah, Johnny Geiger or something like. I think it's Johnny Geiger. Uh, yeah, uh, I follow him on Instagram. Um, Crommy introduced him to me actually. Um, yeah, and he just takes famous spots from people like Rodney Mullen and tries to recreate them. And this guy is a really good skateboarder, and the Roddy Mullen stuff, he could, he just couldn't go near. He was like, or like he only managed it after a hell of a lot of manipulating of like waxing up the ramps and things like that, which Roddy Mullen yeah. wouldn't have done. There we go. Top five skateboarders done. Next. Done. God, we're smashing this. <laughs> Not even a challenge. I, I hope this next one 
gives us actually i don't want to say that because it will and i'll be like no mm. yeah i don't want to it really hard <laughs> <laughs> we just want to look good in front of the people <laughs> okay let's see what we can uh bring up for next one Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's hope... Uh, You're going to find this easier than me, I think. Okay, um, this is fucking random, isn't it? Okay, <laughs> so we got to pick... This is kind of... Let's do this one very quickly. Okay, top five just Canadians. Gonna, just going to wait for Steve to get all excited in the chat to see what he can... <laughs> Ooh, who's it going to be? <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> oh, there's a comment. I wonder who it is. It's not you, Steve. It's, not you. it's never, it's never going to be you. Um, I'll go first. All of these are going to be very wrestling based, by the way, everyone. Uh, I, I think. I think that's that's fair to say. But I, yeah, I know. I know more Canadian wrestlers than anything else. I think. Oh no! So I thought, I thought of one that isn't a wrestler. Go on. Okay, I'm gonna. Let's not start. Uh, let's start with a wrestler, and then I'll go non-wrestler, and obviously finish with a wrestler. Uh, okay. Bret Bret Hart, the nice. greatest technical wrestler, the greatest wrestler to ever lace a pair of boots. Oh, Steve's just going to be like fuming in the comments. <laughs> Shawn Michaels is shit, but yeah, Bret Hart was the kind of introduction. Him and Shawn, obviously, but I feel like Bret was the actual talent who pushed it forward to kind of have that smaller guy in the main event scene uh that we've spoken about in the past where it's like you had your big andre the giants and hulk hogan's and then you had like little bret hart who wasn't literally it was like 230 pounds or something yeah he's like six two yeah he was like it was a big dude um but he was classed as a smaller dude and the guy that was never getting to the world title spot and when they were doing that transition he was the first person so it was like when the vaders were leaving and the diesels and all that kind of stuff and they weren't ready to put titles on them Brett was the one they did, and he carried it for a long time. And whenever they kind of needed that safe champion, Brett was the guy. Um, and the guy has got, you know, strong morals towards a lot of stuff within wrestling and how things should be done. And he's very opinionated in how things should be. But I think when you have the moniker of the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be, you're justified in, in kind of doing it. And the dude's had a hard fucking life, like ridiculous. <laughs> losing like brothers and family members tragedy left right and center his career like everything imaginable could have happened yeah. to it um so so we've got a late comment on the skateboarding oh aaron Hamoki. yeah that's a very very good choice um bayabo one <laughs> now that jesse yeah i completely forgot about aaron so excellent choice and pro skate five you liked Pro Skater was... 5, didn't you? No, I did not. No. Don't try me with that brush. Um, I, <laughs> no, it, was a, it was a terrible, terrible game. Okay. Oh, I haven't put the thing up. So, yeah, Bret Hart for me for uh, number five, Canadian. Very nice. Um, I'm going to go in heavy with Jim Carrey. Mm. Mm. So, Jim Carrey, um, Canadian man, very... Um, just. I mean, the, the, the films of our childhood, right? We're the perfect age for, like, you know, Ace Ventura, The Mask, Dumb and Dumber, yep. Liar, Liar, all these incredible 90s films that he did um, that were just stunning. He, um, the way that man can contort his body and his face is like, no one can compete with that because if they could, other people would have done it and no one has. Um, he's just incredible. He's 
picked some he's made average films incredibly funny he's proved that he's got some serious acting chops like in i love you philip morris with you and yeah. mcgregor and um, <laughs> <laughs> um he's yeah, done one other, for every single one uh, yeah and he's done uh, other serious films as well great actor he was a really good stand-up comedian before he was an actor you can find um some sets um from the early days of jim carrey if you search that on youtube as well um, and he just gave it all looks. He was like, no, I want to be a Hollywood actor. I want to be a big star. And he was like one of the hottest things on the stand-up circuit and just packed it in because he wanted to do that. Got his job um, on um, In Living Colour, which was a um, sort of sketch show um, in America. And he got a job on that and just went mad from there. He's a bit insane nowadays. I think he's gone a bit properly mad, but that's okay. I think he, he deserves, if anyone's allowed to be properly mad, it's Jim Carrey. He's just, he's, he's a good dude. He's brought me a lot of joy in my life. Yeah. And I think he, I wouldn't even say that he's a little bit mad anymore. Like, obviously, he had that period, but I, I do feel that was kind of like a press influence. And now he seems pretty balanced again. I mean, love of his life kind of offed herself. I'd go a bit mental as well. Or yeah. like that kind of thing. So yeah, Jim Carrey, fully support. Uh, sticking with the Canadian actor category, I'm going to say Michael J. Fox. Love I didn't me. know he was Canadian. Edmonton, if I'm correct. Steve will correct me if I'm incorrect. But Michael J. Fox is a little treasure. And he's little. He's like this big. And he's very cute. And people will know him from... Oh, fucking hell, that's common already. If he's not Canadian, I give up. <laughs> okay, fine. Steve jumped in with Seth Rogen. Every, every Canadian male's idol. Yeah, especially the Stoders. Which is every Canadian male is okay. Yeah, fine. <laughs> hey, I'm wearing. We're, we're, oh, you've you've taken yours off, but look, we got plaid on as well. We're repping. That's a Canadian thing, right? Yeah, that's what, that's what they, they wear. They like plaid. Yeah, that's what they do. Um, yes, yeah, Steve, you are an encyclopedia of Canada. That's all we ever bang on about. Our first ever episode with Steve was top five Canadian wrestlers versus British wrestlers. So uh, it was. Yeah. It says a lot. But anyway, Michael J. Fox, star of the great movies such as uh, Teen Wolf, Back to the Future, the TV show uh, Spin City. And obviously, later in life, he was diagnosed with Parkinson's, but that didn't really stop him from acting. He made like guest appearances in a lot of shows and a lot of movies. I think now he's maybe stopped the, the acting so much, but his foundation, the Michael J. Fox Foundation for uh, Parkinson's research, has raised more money than than any other kind of Parkinson's charity, I believe. Don't quote me on that. We're talking off the top of our heads. And and it, he looks like a slightly older version of Deck from Ant and Deck, which I've always enjoyed. Yeah, it's a very enjoyable fact. I think even <laughs> now in his like 60s or late 50s, whatever he is, he still looks good. He's he looks damn good. Michael J. Fox. Yeah. Um, and, and he's an 80s treasure. And I, I appreciate 80s. So uh, yeah, bring me more Michael J. Fox. I wish him the best in his future. And I hope um, his foundation brings a cure to that terrible disease. What a treasure. There you go. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's one thing to be diagnosed with something terrible like that, but to... Uh not let it beat you and just go, right, fuck it. Let's do not only fight it, but help the world fight it. Like that's pretty hardcore. Yeah. Pretty top dollar. Top dollar, son. Top dollar. Yours. Oh my God. Um, Steve, Steve is in the comments right now. Just listing Canadians. Yeah, of course he is. Just spaffing all over the comment section with Canadians. Right. I'm going to go slightly niche with this one. I'll keep it quick. I'm going with Jamie Ben, who is the captain of the hockey team, the Dallas stars. Now, nice. Um, yeah, Jamie Benn, um, captain of my favourite hockey team. 
um true canadian treasure um loves his team he's sort of a one team guy works hard for them um his name is very similar to mine my surname is ben's so i'm only i've got an extra s on him so i can buy his jerseys and just like duct tape an s on the back and i've got my own personalized jersey that's awesome and i love him for that <laughs> that's your sole reason <laughs> jesse can buy a jersey and duct tape an s on it do you know how expensive it is to normally get your name on the back of a jersey? It costs fucking <laughs> loads. I just get to duct tape an S. Fucking hell. Should I just quick fire all of these comments that we're getting? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Ryan Reynolds, Pamela Anderson, Celine Dion, Brian Adams. Um, Brian I'm actually going to save that one because I'm agreeing with the person who's put it. Uh, what about Trish? Trish Stratus, Canadian treasure. Of course, we love her. Um, I was going to go Edge, but I've already spoken about Edge, so I'm going to agree with uh, Bayobu One over here with Ryan Gosling. Okay, what, nice. What a unique talent of an actor that Ryan Gosling is. He's going to be my pick for this one because he is very versatile. Like, he's a pretty guy. He's gorgeous. We can all <laughs> just... Everyone just get over it, okay? He's a pretty man. But what he does is he can do serious movies like one of my favorite movies, Place Beyond the Pines. And then he can be this comedic actor in stuff like Crazy Stupid Love. And then he can be your typical rom-com romance in the bullshit that is The Notebook, which is a terrible movie and people need to stop praising it as a romantic movie. It's basically an abusive relationship. Do people, do people still praise it nowadays? Yes. Do and I don't understand why. It's not good. <laughs> But yeah, for me, Ryan Gosling, he he has those kind of chops. A great um, singer-songwriter as well. He, his is band... Um, like you McGregor. Band. Like you McGregor. Is it Dead Man's Bones? He released an album and incredible. Absolutely incredible album that he put out. Married to Eva Mendes. I mean, if anyone can live life better, I don't want to know it because I feel like Ryan Gosling has achieved everything anyone would ever want. That's very true. That's a good shout. Ryan Reynolds is a close second. You got some good Ryans up there, Canada. You got some, some good, good Ryans. Some good Canadians out there. People that I didn't know were Canadian either. They hide it oh, well. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Well, they have to. Mm. They must protect um, well. Well, my final choice on this one um, will be... Um, I'll go wrestling related for this one. Um, it's not who you think I'm going to say. Um, I'm actually going to go with um, Kevin Owens. Because Ooh. I really like people who um i could have gone sammy Zayn as well let's like tie it with sammy and kevin because i really like people who succeed in an industry that they shouldn't succeed in if that makes sense like i really like ugly pop stars for example it's like you know they shouldn't that they just got there on raw talent they didn't get there because someone went oh you know we put them on telly and people will want to fuck that person so we're gonna make lots of money that's not how, like, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, they're not bodybuilder types. They're not your typical wrestlers at all in the way they look. They just are really fucking good at it. And they were good at it for shit money on indie shows in front of 10 people for years, like 15 years doing that. And they never gave up. They worked their tits off. And now it's worked out for them and they're millionaires working for the WWE, which is fantastic. Um and it's just, they, they worked hard, they were really good at their jobs, and they never gave up, which I, I love that shit. Steve says it doesn't count because they're French-Canadian. And you know what, Steve? I'm sick of this divide between you and the Quebecers. Like, come on, man. If you want them Dude. to leave Canada, this kind of relationship's not happening. They it's, will leave just, you guys. Just focus on hating the Americans. Don't have a civil war within yourself. You all need to team up and hate everyone else. 
Or pick on the Newfies because they're like off land, so you can just kind of push them away a little bit. So it like makes life a little bit easier. Oh yeah, Montreal, that's cool. Quebec, you're kind of stuck in the middle with them, aren't you? So yeah, yeah. Okay, top five Canadians. You knew we could pull that one out of our ass. Smashed it. God bless us, everyone. God bless us. Um, oh, feeling feeling good now. Feeling warmed up. You feeling warmed up? <laughs> I feel good. This is uh, very. This is strange and uh, probably the nichest show we've ever done because. Whatever we every every subject is going to alienate someone, right? So. <laughs> it's great watching. Like I'm watching the view counter, and it'll be like I'll be doing the topping and be like, boom, there goes ten people. Like, oh, there comes ten more. So it's just like, yeah, everyone's having a good time. Everyone's enjoying themselves. Everyone's got opinions, Jesse. Everyone's got opinions. We're not the only people in the world, and everyone's wrong except us. Yeah, exactly. That's what this whole Got Tool Five experience has been about. Right, it's time to uh, pick another top five topic. We're going to see how many we can get done in an hour and then see how we feel. Okay. Next. (laughs) Oh, what what is it? My favorite favorite one. Oh. Books. From skateboarders to Canadians to books. Uh, um, Oh, and you. Has you and McGregor written any books? (laughs) He probably has, actually. You know what? There are are book, um, like, diaries that are published from him and Charlie Borman from the Long Way Round series. Um, So that's that's worth knowing. But I haven't actually read them, so I can't put it on this list, sadly. Uh, Okay, everyone. I know everyone's kind of, like, fucking rolling their eyes in the comments about books, but try and be cultured. (laughs) A little bit. Come on. We'll uh we'll do this one the fastest if you're that upset about it. See? Nerds. Okay. <laughs> well, I don't know. I d I don't have that many books that I like, to be honest. Um all right. Quick fire. There's a great series called um the Babel series or the Babel series, however you pronounce it. And the first book is called Sendlin Ascends, and it's by a guy named Josiah Bancroft. And it's like a fantasy trilogy. And the fourth book is coming out this year. And I'm not a massive fantasy person normally. Like I am, but like I don't I can't be bothering with like people with six hundred names and they're all like in different clans and oh, I've got to refer to the map at the beginning of the book to know where everyone lives. Fuck off. I just need simplicity. But what they do in Sunland Ascends is it's about a man who goes on honeymoon with his wife to this tower called the Tower of Babel, where there's different layers uh, going up of like different wealth and fortune that you can go on holiday to. It's huge. It's massive. They stop at the market to do some shopping. She goes missing, uh, gets taken or whatever. And then it's up to him, who's this normal kind of school teacher type of bloke, to go and find his new wife and there's lots of kind of twists and turns on the way and just the way that Josiah Bancroft writes his um descriptions makes you feel like you are in the worlds that he's describing and each huge ring book. is massive and huge and amazing it's like every, all three books and there's so many different elements to it with like the hods and the um diplomats and the people controlling it like just honestly if, if you're going to pick up a, a book series this year, I would 100% recommend starting with Sunland Ascends and just see how you feel. Very good. Nice shout. Um, I'm going to go, I'm going to bring it back to wrestling, you know, because I've read a lot of wrestling books in my time. And I'm going to say um, Have a Nice Day by Mick Foley, which was his first autobiography. It was the first wrestling autobiography that really became a massive deal. And it's because he's a damn good writer. Uh, he's very witty with his writing. Um, he 
puts you in the world very nicely. Um, I'm more of a fan of factual books, generally speaking, I think. I read a lot mm. of autobiographies, more than novels and that, because I can't, like, sometimes I can't suspend my disbelief because I'm reading it and go, oh, so-and-so walked down the hall. I'm like, no, he didn't. You just made that up. So, like, <laughs> it, <laughs> it annoys me. So, but, like, with the Mick Foley stuff, um, it's written well. It's really accessible to non-wrestling fans as well. That's why it did so well, because it just gave everyone an insight into what it's actually like to be a professional wrestler. And he did it in this nice introductory way. It's just a really easy read. It's really entertaining. And he's written plenty of books since. And they're all good. Can't can't argue with it. Um, Steve's trying to plug his sponsor, Boss Fight Books. Order today for great books on classic video games, everyone. There we go. (laughs) Doing your job for you. Uh, fucking hell, what am I going to pick next? Um, I'm going to go for a short book, but like, this is a book that it, it's not even a book. It's like 30 pages, but it, it's a book that I kind of hold close to me and kind of influences a lot of my character and how I handle myself. Um, it's how much land does a man need? <laughs> it's the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> Sit down and listen. <laughs> it's uh, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's No, it's uh, how much... <laughs> How Much Land Does a Man Need by Leo Tolstoy? And it's about a book of a very short story of a man who says, if I walk this far and put this planter and um, do all of this, how much money will you give me? And he says, and then he says, well, what if I keep going further and further? And the guy's like, however much land you plot will be yours and you can do whatever you want with it. It'll be yours forever. So the guy starts walking and he gets to a mark and he's like, this will probably be good enough. And then he sees the sun in the sky and he goes like, actually, I could probably go a little bit further and a little bit further. And he keeps pushing and pushing that boundary of where his land is. And then in the end, no one's going to read it. So I can tell you what happens. In the end, he um, eventually keeps going until the sun kind of comes down. And then his his family back at home, the, the prince or whoever it was that kind of offered it to him, said um, he just never came back because he just got too greedy going for that land of like pushing further and further how far he could take his boundary and how big he can make his land. And in the end, he didn't get any land because he went missing and died. Um, So it just, it's a great book to kind of teach you those lessons of greed can destroy man and knowing what you want in life and having set targets for it. So yeah, that's a favorite book of mine. Well, that's lovely. Thank you. I'm taking this very seriously, Jesse. I can tell. Um, my next choice, um, I don't know if it's a slightly cringe choice. People seem to have a weird reaction to this book. Um, it's On the Road by Jack Kerouac. Mm. Now, um, if you haven't read it, anyone listening, don't bother because you're too late. You have to read it when you're like 15 years old or 14 years old. That is the perfect time and the only time you should read this book because it just opens your 14-year-old mind to this whole world of like debauchery and being free and being on the road and just like it's about um it's jack kerouac's character um it's loosely autobiographical but it is a novel um him and his mate just go on go down route 66 and it's just all the adventures they have traveling down route 66 and it's just debauchery it's drugs it's sex it's just everything that you just desperately want as a 14, 15 year old boy, but feels like a world away, especially if you're growing up in a tiny little town and it's just escapism and feels cool. You try and read it as an adult and it's a bit sort of uh, just a bit feels a bit cringy and it's like a bit try hard, I think. But yeah, when it captures you when you're a teenager, there's nothing better. It's just, it's so cool. And it just opened my mind when I was a kid. So if, 
if you've if you've missed the boat on it, wait until you have a 14, 15 year old child and they just give them that book. And then watch them run away and do a shit ton <laughs> and of snort coke out of hookers' assholes. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. A, a lot of that kind of um, beat generated, like when you talk about Allen Ginsberg, Jack Kerouac, William S. Burroughs, like that proper drug addled, debauchery, terrible people influenced uh, a lot of my early reading days. And I'm thankful yeah. for it. Absolutely. Very much so. Um, my final pick would be. For those who remember our Desert Island Discs episode, this would be the book that I took with me to the Desert Island, the Bible. <laughs> it is House of <laughs> they Leaves. Give, they give you the Bible anyway in Desert Island. They give you the Bible. It's a freebie. It's a freebie. Freebie. And Shakespeare. Yeah. Freebies. There you go. And, and you wouldn't think how them. much. Think how long you could keep a fire going with those books. <laughs> I think that's what I said, and everyone got really upset <laughs> when I said it. It's like, come on, guys. Um, but House of Leaves, it's by Mark S. Danieluski. And it's... Mm, big and the pages are odd shaped and it's just weird it's about a house that kind of changes dimensions and and has all of these different elements to it and the way the book is written is just confusing and you have to read it like six times for you to kind of just about go okay i kind of understand what's going on and it just has this element that kind of just draws you in and you're just curious about the house and the history and the people that are inhabiting it um, I did a much better description when I had it on Desert Island Discs. I had a description written, so I knew what I was talking about. Nice. Um, but if you do need kind of that summer book of where you just want to kind of get lost in it and you're just going to be reading for a while, then House of Leaves is just number one choice. And I will I will read that book on my deathbed, Jesse. That's, my, that's my promise to you. Very to nice. you. To me, and I treasure that promise. And I will force it and I'll just... Plop the book on your face on <laughs> your life. ridden body. <laughs> so my uh, this isn't my number one pick. It's my final pick. I've done them out of order because this certainly isn't a better piece of work than On the Road by Jack Kerouac or even Mick Foley's books, to be honest. But um, it's something that really interested me when I read it. Um, it's called The Secret Footballer. So this is a um, he's now retired, but it's a Premier League footballer who um, writes articles in The Guardian all about being a footballer, but he's completely anonymous. No one knows who he is. No one knows which Premier League footballer he is. And he's written um, a couple of books, but his first one was just called I Am The Secret Footballer. And just these amazing stories of what it's like to be a Premier League footballer and some fairly debauched stuff that goes on behind the scenes with that. And I just love that as a football fan, I have seen him and know who he is but I don't. Do you know what I mean? I've yeah, no yeah. idea. No one knows who the secret footballer is, and he's kept it secret for. He is like I think I said he is retired now because this has been going on a while. But um, for like fifteen years, the secret footballer has been a thing. Writing these articles and writing these books all about it, and I just love the anonymity that he's managed to keep up. I think it's amazing. That is very cool. I've never even heard of it, but like mm. that's the kind of thing. Like not a football fan personally, but I love hearing behind the scenes stuff into different areas. Yeah, and because he's so, and he just throws these little clues out, and some of them are clearly red herrings. Because if you add them all up, none of them make sense. Like he mentions yeah. that one season he was relegated with a team, but in that summer he was bought by another Premier League team, so never actually played in the division below. So that narrows down who it could be, right? And like he's mentioned that 
he has two daughters like that narrows it down but when you put them all together it doesn't work there's no footballer right. that has all these things so he has thrown red herrings in there but it's really cool to sort of there's this whole there's like massive forums and websites of people working really hard trying to work out who the secret footballer is and i just i love all that shit it's just really fun for what purpose it was like when when the stig got revealed on top gear and everyone just went oh yeah, yeah, but no, that's different though because this could it could be David Beckham. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. it it could be like a huge name in football. Like you just don't know. I just I just love the mystery behind it. The guy's a good writer, which is quite rare in footballers. I think I love football, but they're not like the smartest chaps in the world. And I just yeah, I just think it's cool. It's well written. The stories are fun, and the mystery element makes it exciting. Love it. Love that, Jesse. Just in books. Fucking... There you go. Woo! Squares over here. Hello. <laughs> Bobby's just going to. Like, she's never watched Got Till Five. She just watched that one bit, and that's yeah. that'll be a that be that be a future. Uh, all right, let's let's keep this party going, guys. Let's see what else we can find. Uh, thank you, everyone who is like we we said we were joking around that people have been like dropping in and out, which is kind of true. But we've kept a consistent number, so thank you, everyone, for sticking around and watching these random ass top fives that we're throwing out at you. Uh, this is a weird one. I'm enjoying it though; it's fun. It's uh, we don't normally use brain power on these things. <laughs> no, no, normally we speak like three hours before. And like this would be easy. Let's give this a go. This is uh, this is actually challenging. Yeah. Next. I can't see the wheel. Oh god, I didn't put the thing up <laughs> quickly. There it is. <laughs> Alright, this was picked by a Twitter user. Um I can't can't remember your name. <laughs> Kid. Don't don't deserve to have your name remembered for this one. <laughs> Fucking hell. Um Okay. Okay. Top so five superpowers we wish we wish we had. had. We sort of talked about I feel like we talked about this briefly before, didn't we? Talk about this? Not to my recollection. We t- or we talked about Mag- the X Men, and then we talked about our favorite X Men, and that sort of. Oh yeah, yeah. For that, I think. Uh, so talking about that, my first one, I'll go first this time. Would absolutely be teleportation. I would okay. love to um, just be able to disappear and appear wherever I want at will. I think that it would just be incredibly handy. You could get out of any awkward situation. Um, you would obviously turn to a life of crime immediately, um, but. That's fine. You know, you don't have to work anymore. You can so easily get away with stealing money and just live your life from there. That's how I would choose to live. I'd love it. I think that's strong. I think that's strong. Um, for this can be a very quick one. It's like it's like those little icebreakers you do when you meet someone. I actually went for for dinner with a friend, and there was a so there was a mutual friend, and then this stranger that I didn't know, and <laughs> then. Danger. Stranger danger. And then the the friend who we both knew went to the bathroom and I was just stuck with this guy. And I'm oh, no. pretty I'm pretty good at making like small talk. Like you don't have to do like we're on a date kind of thing. First thing out of his mouth. Friend stands up, friend stands up, walks away, and I just I I like I go to him and then he just goes, So if you could have a superpower, what superpower would you have? And I was just like, Fuck you now. We can ask what you did for a living. <laughs> no, his is, his is way better. What you do for a living is a boring question. I like his question, Ooh. like going right in there. That's awesome. It was it was the eye contact that was that was off. <laughs> what would your superpower be? Because I can make it happen. I can put radioactive <laughs> stuff on you. I am Professor X. <laughs> um, for me, I'd go I'd go shape shifting first of all. I'd have the power to shape shift into because... other humans or literally anything. Literally anything, Jesse. 
Like I could just become you right now. Hello, I'm Jesse. I'm not pie face. I could become this bottle of wine. <laughs> Why? Why would you want to? Just because, like, what would you do with this power? Be a bottle of wine. Some people touch me. <laughs> just feel touched, Jesse. No, I'm going to be a dildo today. <laughs> oh no, Jeremy! No, <laughs> run, bedroom. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But I feel like it would just be so good to kind of, um, you could impersonate people, you could go wherever you wanted. Like, I could be like the prime minister or the president of countries and I could go to all these places. I could eavesdrop on conversations. Um, I could be used as a tool or an item. I could be a car if I wanted to. I could be a plane. I could do anything, Jesse. The options are limitless for shape shifting. But I don't understand why. Like, my teleporting is useful like anything that you could achieve with shapeshifting i could achieve with teleporting and it's less weird (laughs) the weirdness is what makes it fun because what because what i want is just this 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 option jesse like we're starting at five so this isn't my best pick this is just it would be cool to have i'd i'd find some mischief to get into if i had one like someone i'd be a famous musician's guitar and i'd swap myself in and then halfway through i'd transform back into myself and imagine his confusion jesse when he's just like playing <laughs> me like baffled. a fiddle <laughs> what oh no <laughs> be great he'd be baffled he would but like You'd get caught, though. I feel like an important thing about superpowers, people always say, like, oh, I wish I could fly and shit like that. But it's like, but people would see you straight away and you'd be locked up and they would do tests on you straight away. You want powers that you can keep under wraps. Do you know what I mean? Not if I turn into a garden slipped out with them. Come on, Jesse. <laughs> powers 101. They're not going to find me in this garden because I'm a rake. <laughs> <laughs> Step on it. <laughs> Simpsons reference, folks. Simpsons. Um, yeah, go. That's very good. Um, I would like um, Professor X's power of... I would like to continue to be able to walk, but I um, want to be able to just control people with my mind. Um, I want to be able to make people do or say whatever I want. Yeah. Imagine how easy the world would be if everyone just bowed to your will, just did whatever. And they thought they were doing it of their own free will, but they weren't. That would be amazing. I love that all of yours are evil. Like, none of these are being used for good. Imagine if you could bend the will of the human race to your whim. Like, come on, man. Tell me tell me, you wouldn't want it. I wouldn't know what to do. Like, I'd feel too much pressure. There's always that thing of, like... Yeah, if you, you, well, if you, you can you... leave things as they are. You can be minimalist noise. with it. <laughs> what, what was I doing? Meh! <laughs> <laughs> well, you can... You can sort of leave things as they are. Thank you, Steve. It's being called a, you want to be a cult leader. That's what you want. You want to be name, a cult leader. Name me a cult leader that didn't have a good time. <laughs> they all had a good time. Right. It's the followers that suck. <laughs> it's that you want to be the leader. Uh, but like, just I would leave everything as it was. Like Everyone could just carry on as they were, just until they get in my way. Do you know what I mean? And then I can just sort them out and just make sure like... Like, if I'm in a pub, like, yes. Like, oh, don't worry about paying for that drink. Thank you very much. Just little things like that. Do you know what I mean? I'm just being evil Jedi. Yeah, I mean, there's a for word for that, I think. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he out, he out Star Wars me. Um, fair. Okay. I'm excited to find out what your number one evil deed is going to be. Yeah, I don't um, know. I'm not that far yet. <laughs> we'll, we'll get there. I would... <laughs> I, I know it's cliche, but I love the idea of invisibility and not for like the pervy things that you and Steve would do with it. I just want to be left alone. 
just genuinely want peace and quiet because like it's so difficult to get genuine peace and quiet. But oh, like if... do, you could do that with teleporting. Yeah, but th- then you're just teleporting off to like some remote island somewhere, and they say, "Oh yeah, it's great," and you are you and a snake that's poisonous. But like, no, I wouldn't do that. What's the wrong with you? I'd wait until the royals were on a royal visit somewhere, and then I'd go to the Buckingham Palace. Obviously, how would you know the royal schedule? What are you on about? They have like press shots. It's like, oh yeah, so the queen's like unveiling a new. Oh, she's a bit old for it now, but like. Someone is unveiling something or other today. It's, oh, that means they're not home. I'm going to go chill out in their living room. So you think the royals are like every other family? <laughs> you think the royals are like every other family where they're just kind of like, they lock up and then they head off. There's like, no one else stays there. There's no other staff or anything there. No. Okay. We'll wait until like, oh, Tom Cruise is on location filming Mission Impossible 12. Means his house is empty. Let's go chill out at Tom's gaff. You don't know where Tom Cruise lives. I can find out. With my, I'll read, I'll read his mind with my other ah, power, okay. and then I'll know. He'll show me. He'll show me around because I've made him. Yeah, why do you need invisibility? You can just get people to let you live in the house. For me, I just want to sit on my sofa and people not know I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> it's a simple power, Jesse. I want to walk down the street and just like just walk into places, and... and then someone sits on the sofa and sits on you, and they don't realize me. Like, oh no, I better use my other power, and then you just turn into a dildo. <laughs> Why is this always the shape I immediately pick? <laughs> Why is this oh, my panic no. shape? <laughs> yeah, gold. Yeah, Steve's with me in visibility. Thank you, my friend. Join me nice. on the dildo couch. Yeah. <laughs> be one and the same. His will be like Canadian flag decorated. It'd be beautiful. <laughs> Red and white dildo. <laughs> A little... <laughs> Little maple leaf on little the top maple of the head. Leaf, yeah, we went the same place. <laughs> oh. <laughs> We've been doing the show too long, folks. Yeah. Oh man, um, I don't know what my last one would be. I'd be happy with those two, but um, I mean, if I have to pick something else, um, like I don't know, I feel like super strength would be quite fun. Yeah. Just to like, you could just bust it out at the most mad times to impress people, right? Yeah, exactly. You could pick up you a car, win all the arm wrestling competitions. Like, yeah, you, you, you could get a pretty good side it. hustle. Yeah, you could do like enter. Imagine you as you are now, entering your your disgrace, entering <laughs> the world's strongest man competition. You yeah, all right. These like hunking behemoth. Then Justin just rocks up in his little hundred and fifty pound high boy, <laughs> carrying his, uh, his his transporting dildo friend with him, and <laughs> on my shoulder like a parrot. <laughs> Oh, I want to write this comment <laughs> so badly. I'm Jesse. This is Dildo Parrot. <laughs> how, how does Dildo Brat. like? <laughs> Dildo Parrot got stuck that way, and the only way Dildo Parrot can get out of it is in certain situations. I'm trying to think what situations like causes him to like come to your rescue. You have to be in like immediate danger. Yeah, definitely. Like, so if like the strength suddenly goes, and then, well, like I, I said about picking up cars, but I watched a strongman competition the other day, and it's like a poem. So there's um, they <laughs> instead of like like the conventional stuff that you would think people need to lift that's heavy, you think, oh, why don't you lift a weight, brother? Like that's pretty heavy, and they're like, no, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna lift a barbell 
with a fish tank on two fish tanks on either side, and the fish tanks are full of cheese. (laughs) That was literally one of the competitions. They were just lifting barbells with fish tanks of cheese. That's definitely a poem. That's like like it is now. That's a Charles Bukowski novel. (laughs) I was watching like it was it was art art that I was watching. It was mental. This is poetry emotion. <laughs> it was. But imagine you just picking up those little cheese barrels of fish oh, with they your little arms. And then yeah. with like your pinky eyes. Yeah, nothing. just like word. Yeah, exactly. It's again, this is what I was going back to earlier. I like it when people who don't look like they should do something well do it really well, like Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Or like Lewis Capaldi is an example in pop music. He's a pop singer. Um, he's a Very really funny. good pop singer and he's a really funny, down to earth, cool bloke. Face like a potato. But he made like, but he's a massive pop star, even though he looks like he shouldn't be. It, yeah. On pure charisma and talent, I love it. God bless you, Lewis Capaldi. And uh, I want this this DC Marvel alter the the GT five comic book series of like people who are shit and ugly looking and skinny and they just <laughs> have powers. We should be yeah. great. This is good. This is a comic book waiting to happen. Yeah. Next project. It's on the way. Yeah. Dildo um, Alternative covers changes. <laughs> um, so I feel like people always underestimate the power of time travel as a superpower. It doesn't work though. Like it, as soon as you, as soon the as you start knows, thinking yeah. about it too much, it just hurts your head. We and don't think, think about it. We it, it's just a blanket superpower. Like whatever you do has no consequences. Like you can bang Anne Boleyn and nothing happens. Like well, you have to fine. get you have to get into dimensions, don't you? So like. Multiverse effects. Yeah, yeah, so if you go back, there's a different dimension where, like, everyone's got a massive toenail on their forehead or something like that. Like, which I'd be into, by the way, because that would be quite <laughs> This is all I would do. I'd go to these multiverses and this is what would happen. I'd, like... Boop, 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 boop. <laughs> M- giant toenail head people, I go... Huh. <laughs> yeah, cool. there it is. And yeah. we're back. Off I go, yeah. But, it's, yeah, it, it hurts my head thinking about time travel. That's why I don't want to do it. I'm not organised enough to do it responsibly, and I would ruin everything. Oh, yeah. Oh, all of those shows that you watch where they like they, they step on something or they change something, they come back and they're like, fuck, this is worse than before. Absolutely in, Harry, in Harry Potter, they gave the responsibility to, like, 14-year-olds in The Prisoner yeah, of Azkaban. Hermione yeah, there's a time-travelling necklace. That's bonkers. That's the biggest plot hole in the whole of um, Harry Potter. The fact that, okay, we now know that that exists. So why not just go back and write everything? Let's go back and stop Voldemort killing Harry's parents, right? Let's just go and kill Voldemort when he was a baby. By the way, what was wrong with Voldemort? He, The whole pr- premise of <laughs> Harry Potter is that he tried to kill Harry Potter as a baby and it went tits up, right? He tried to use a killing spell to kill a baby. Just drop it out the window, son. Babies are quite fragile. Like, why did you have to use, like, crazy magic to try and kill this baby? Just give it a poke. Just, yeah, just drop kick it out the window. That's <laughs> that's how you kill babies, apparently. From experience. <laughs> Stupid. Voldemort's an idiot. Voldemort is an idiot. And then, like, he gets his army back and he gets all his power back. What does he do? Goes and invades a school of high school children. So no, <laughs> build a bigger army and Just take over the world. And it all comes from the fact that he wanted a job there and didn't get one. 
<laughs> when he was like 20. He's just butter. employee. Like he could have explored different avenues. He could have gone to a, like a job center skills match and find out what he was good at. Yeah. No. Yeah. But yeah, the fact that they didn't use that time turner to just go back and I know it would have taken a while because you have to like turn it for every hour, right? So it's like, okay, just give me a few days and going back <laughs> a good 50 years here. But you'll get there and um, the rewards are obvious. Yeah. Come on, JK, you transit phobic <laughs> idiot. Yeah, That's jerk. Jerk. Um, cool. All right. So we just did um, superheroes. Quite successfully. I think we nailed that one. <laughs> I think we did as well. <laughs> we made we a whole episode more? on that. Yeah. Okay, let's see. Let's see. I want a good one. There's a lot of good ones in this list. I think we should just do all 28. Keep everyone here for like four hours while we go through all of them. Look how great we are. Okay, let's see what we got for this one, people. It's exhausting, isn't it? Yeah, it makes me a bit dizzy watching this. Oh, so close. Oh, oh Ewan! No, it's oh. Oh, this is fucking dark. Top five worst serial killers. Fucking hell. Amazing. I... Right, so is there, are we finishing on this one? No, we're definitely not, Jesse. We're, not... <laughs> <laughs> we're definitely not finishing on this one. Um, all right, you you got very excited when this came up. So while I do the graphics... <laughs> Um, I know my serial killers. Worst, Jesse. Worst. Oh right, okay. Um, so um, I'm gonna I'm gonna start with a fairly popular one or a fairly well known one. Um, I'm gonna go with Ted Bundy. So Ted Bundy was um, a, he was a real bad serial killer because I know it's like cliche to go oh no one suspected a thing, but like Ted Bundy was that and then some because he was um, like. To everyone who knew him, he was a really charismatic, nice bloke. He was part of the Young Republican Party. He was sort of a bit of a shagger and really, like, nice to the ladies. Um, And then just had this horrible, depraved side where he would um, murder women and kept them in the forest in this nice little secret area he had. Um, And just kept them all there and sort of messed about with the bodies as they decomposed. Um, he was a fan of long, dark hair. All of his victims had long, dark hair because of it all came from his first girlfriend who had long, dark hair. She stitched him up right nice. And he was just seeking revenge ever since then. That's all he was doing. But he was so he represented himself in court. Right. Like mm-hmm. smart bloke. Just it goes to show that like intelligence and morality have nothing to do with each other because this guy it was a pretty intelligent dude but obviously depraved and immoral and fucking horrible and an absolute loser who kills women do you know what I mean and he um, represented himself in court and when he was found guilty the judge have you seen this the judge said to him it's a real shame because um, you're a very bright nice young man and I would have like loved to have seen you um, as a lawyer like working with me it's like who says that to like this is like one of the worst serial killers the world has ever seen and the judge says that to him like what what a fucking so he even had even though the judge like found him guilty and well the jurors found him guilty really the judge just bangs the gavel but like he pretty much had the judge wrapped around his little finger and you could tell from the way the judge had said that and not only that ted bundy successfully escaped from prison when he was yeah. caught, he jumped out of a window and then went on like a manic mode and just killed a bunch of people before he was caught again. Just crazy shit, like completely. I mean, DNA has ruined serial killers, right? You don't get serial killers like you used to nowadays because no. 
DNA is so fucking good that they can just get people before they have a chance to really go mental and kill loads of people. Yeah, like the but, 60s and 70s, people could have like a six-year spree of just doing whatever the hell they wanted, and everyone's like, I don't know what's going on. Yeah, but um, he, yeah, that's so. So that's my first pick, just because of how prolific he was and scary how he remained a nice guy to so many people like in the do you know what i mean he was one of those it, that it's got so love weird seeing and... bundy because like you look at him and you hear him talk and like you, you your head just doesn't compute that he did all of these horrible things because he yeah has that he, he's a charisma. nice guy yeah and it's like fucking i don't know he's the worst he is just mm. horrendous um have you seen my you, bundy t-shirt i was about to talk about your bundy t-shirt you have a printed bundy t-shirt not from the execution day but they had burn bundy burn burn bundy um, burn with this caricature of bundy in an electric chair on it and yeah they were selling on the day that he was executing the electric chair they were selling them outside like any brilliant any chance to make a buck right i love it um God bless and, yeah they were selling these t-shirts outside where everyone was crowded round and cheering when Bundy was executed. And yeah, I've got a replica of that t-shirt. I don't think it's poor taste. I think it's quite cool to wear a t-shirt like that. Yeah, you're celebrating his death. Exactly. Um, I'm going to go with Donald Henry Gaskins, who was... Pee-wee! Thank you. (laughs) Literally. (laughs) Jesse knows everything. I love Pee-wee. I don't love him. He was known as the hitchhiker killer. He was the one that kind of started off the you don't hitchhike anymore because you're going to get murdered. I think he ended up killing between 80 to 90 people. That is... Was, was it that many? Yeah. That's there was a lot of people that he ended up kind of... He tortured them, he mutilated them, and he used to do it through through hitchhiking. Like, in, in the late 60s... It was like when five foot was, two as well. Yeah, he was, he was a tiny, like, little unassuming dude. And then, like, the late 60s, when it was all, like, peace and free love and this kind of stuff, and everyone was hitchhiking all over the place, it was like a smorgasbord for him. He was having a great time. And he just capitalized on that. And then this is where we get the, the reputation of, like, hitchhiking is dangerous from this man. And he's so dangerous that... Um, so he was sentenced to death, and then it went to, like, life imprisonment, but then I think it went back to death again. But he is the only person to commit murder on death row. He killed another person while he was on death row. <laughs> like, just stop killing people, man. Yeah. Let it let it go. <laughs> but yeah, You know the best evil. thing about Pee-wee? What? Is um, he has a official autobiography that he wrote when he was in prison. Wow. It's called it's called the Final Truth, and um, it's fully penned by him. Like grammar mistakes and all is all in there, and it is just the craziest read in the world. It's awesome. It's just he's so deluded, like so self important and deluded, and the way he describes what he did. It's a really fascinating read. I love it. I've everyone's getting a good picture for what uh, what Jesse ends up reading for <laughs> these stories. Uh, so yeah, I've got to go with uh, with Pee Wee for for my my pick. Next, nice. Um, I'm gonna go. I'm I'm gonna put a local flavor in here with um, Fred and Rose West. I think we mm. can um, put them together as a unit because they very much were a yep. double act. You know, not like Ant and Deck, but like they <laughs> they worked well together. Let's just say that. Although Fred had um, killed a couple of people before he was um, before he actually met Rose West. So like, what a match made in heaven, by the way. How do you like broach the subject with your wife that you like killing people? and they're just fully on board like that's what a lovely partnership right i struggled to get partners to watch wrestling 
Exactly. Yeah, yeah. and they, they just found each other. It was brilliant. So um, I live in Cheltenham, for anyone who doesn't know. Gloucester is uh, like 10 minutes away, and that's where Fred and Rose West lived and did all their stuff. So they killed a lot of people, including their own children and a lot of their own family members. Um, and have you seen the news recently? They've yes. found the remains of um, a girl. Well, they're searching. They're, they're not sure yet. Yeah, they think they might Worcester. have found something. Yeah, the remains yeah. of a girl who was killed in the 60s by, they suspect, Fred West, which um, is pretty cool slash horrible. But it's... Um, uh, so that's sort of exciting at the moment, sort of a bit of local news. But yeah, Fred and Rose West, very evil, um, British. It's pretty mad that it happened so close to where we grew up. Yeah. And... Um, yeah, my stepdad was a copper in his day and uh, met them. Fred West was actually a police informant. Did you know that? Um, as well. Like, uh, he was, um, he would, because he was like, sort of, he was always a bit of a, obviously the police didn't know he was a serial killer, but he yeah. was always a bit of a sort of, you know, like rough, sort of always in trouble for this or that. And, but yeah, he was a police informant. So he would actually tattle on um, a bunch of other criminals in the area. So the police all knew him quite well. Yeah, yeah, very, very strange, and and the house where all of this kind of stuff took place is it, it was kind of like a landmark for a while, but now it's been bulldozing. It's a public path and stuff. Yeah, Conwell Road, exactly. Um, and yeah, like the the local news are finding uh, some remains under this cafe because weirdly enough, it was people who were filming a documentary about the West murders. It's weird, isn't at, it? At that cafe, and then I don't know how, but like I'm sure we'll find out as the story develops. But then they kind of found something underneath, and they're having to do some kind of forensic testing on it so well the girl uh, so so the girl they found worked at that cafe right and it was um so she she's obviously been missing since the 60s and it's been widely believed without it being proved that she was killed by fred west because he was a frequenter of that cafe and sort of had a rapport with her and it made sense but they had no proper proof of it so i guess they were there for that reason right they were sort of say oh fred west came to this cafe and a girl went missing that's why we're filming here and they stumbled across something under the cafe it's mental yeah i did i was doing some reading um not to keep it all about the west but like after this story broke i went back and did more reading because like i was like reading about it and then i was reading about rose west because obviously fred west he killed himself just before the trial happened like immediately got arrested and took himself out but like rose is still alive and still in prison and she ended up like becoming friends and even forming a relationship with the woman who did the the moors murders because they're in the same prison together right and they were like the queens of the this prison because of what they did because they murdered young people together they became like and then they became enemies within this prison and it's just like jesus christ like why would you put two of those people in the same prison like we have a lot of prisons guys come on Um, next for me, I'm going to go Zodiac Killer. I think Zodiac Killer is, he's the Tony Hawk of serial killers. <laughs> he's the face of them. Nice, where yeah. you kind of recognize and everyone knows who the Zodiac Killer is. Well, we don't know who the Zodiac Killer is. But he, again, operated between the late 60s and 70s. Like, fucking hell, America. Like, I would have been terrified to leave my house with, like, your Mansons, your Zodiac Killers, your peewees and stuff running around the place bundy like all within that time frame of just horror that was kind of happening yeah like nasty nasty stuff america's um, quite a big place it is but like jesus christ there was too many a, a set portion of time that was going on <laughs> um so the zodiac killer he used to write letters in codes and stuff and he'd, he'd write stuff to the police department to the newspaper he's probably the most open and out- outgoing i'm not going to call him like an outgoing kind of um 
sociable person, but he kind of was in a weird way, where he'd want to kind of tell his story and talk to the press, which is something that had never been done before, because that was just like guaranteed being caught, because uh, you're going to leave fingerprints, you're going to leave this. But still to this day, even with all of our modern DNA stuff and code breaking and everything we've advanced, no one knows who the Zodiac Killer is. Uh, he has claimed to have killed like 37 victims. The newspaper that he was writing to at the time can only confirm seven in total, which is still a horrendous number. Um, but it's just unbelievable that this is still a mystery. Um, we recently had one of the biggest ones solved of the Golden State Killer, uh, which was amazing when that broke. Like that was just mind blowing to kind of get yeah, into and awesome. read. Um, and I'd love the same to happen to the Zodiac Killer. But the dude is super careful. He was careful with his letters. He was careful with his penmanship. His how he stabbed victims and left he left nothing for them to kind of be able to do stuff with. He is just a, the next step above in terms of like, it's almost supernatural what he did. The fact that he could kind of disappear into thin air and do all of this kind of stuff. There's, there's um, some great documentaries, but there's also a great movie as well with like, I think it's Mark Ruffalo and Jake Gyllenhaal. Um, they did a really good job. I think it's a Fincher movie, if I remember correctly. Did a great job of like, showing the zodiac at the time and what the papers had to deal with because like imagine the hysteria of the serial killer is taunting the police and taunting the press with letters which of course the newspapers published um and just like mocking and and saying like you can't catch me you're never going to catch me and then just disappearing like maybe he died maybe he stopped like i just don't feel like serial killers stop like that's why i don't understand about the golden state killer just like just stopped one day yeah, yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? Just done. You don't grow out of it. I don't feel like it's something you grow out of, like no. having a casual murder every now and again. So I reckon um, Jack the Ripper probably died. That's my theory on him. I don't think um, he yeah. just stopped and sort of got away with it. I reckon he got killed. I reckon he tried to kill someone who ended up killing him first or something. Yeah, back in them days. So, uh, yeah, Zodiac Killer for me, I think he's just such an enigma and fascinating to read about and learn about because... There's no answer, and I hate not having an answer. Uh, so, yeah, Zodiac Killer for me, for sure. Nice. Well, my number one on this one is um, maybe a bit of a hipster choice. He's not the most famous serial killer, but he's um, it's quite an exciting sort of story. Um, Dean Call, I'm going with, who mm-hmm. um, is um, he's a Texan, which is important. Um, and he did it all in a little town in Texas and never got caught which is just amazing. So he actually got killed by, he had this accomplice that helped him with all of his murders. And then he tried to murder his accomplice and the accomplice managed to murder him first. So Dean Cole never actually got caught or arrested or anything. He just got killed. And um, he was a gay guy in the 70s in a little town in Texas, which probably wasn't the easiest. It was a proper redneck little town. So every, every, he would basically entice boys. He only killed boys. Um, he would entice them to his house, like, and have, like, with parties and stuff. And then he made this, like, special board that he would strap them to and basically drug them and then torture them and, like, do, like, bite their willies off and stuff like that. And, um, just torture them to death. And none of these, this sort of town this was, none of these kids were ever reported missing by their families. It was just the sort of redneck town where a kid would disappear and they'd be like, oh, he's just drifted off to start living his own life. Like, that's just the sort of town it was. So he got away with it for years, like 10 years. He was just consistently killing sort of teenage boys and completely got away with it. In the same little town, it's bonkers. 
And the fact that he did basically get away with it because he was killed, um, I just think it's awesome. It's not awesome, but you know what I mean. Like, <laughs> um, it's, it's like, an interesting story. Yeah, it's, it's horrible. Um, it, happened, it's just mad. If you, yeah. if you wrote it, if you wrote it as fiction, people would say it was too unbelievable. Yeah, I, I think that's that's a fair way to put it. Um, oh, I really didn't want to talk about my number one because, like, they genuinely just make me sick. Like, this is like <laughs> horrible. Uh, but the toolbox murderers, Lawrence Bittaker and Roy Norris. Oh yeah. Uh, for me, are just the most depraved, horrible. And I don't know if it's because there's a lot more kind of evidence on them, and you know what's going on. But they uh, they ended up killing five teenage girls in California. They they used to kind of like rocket with their van and and kind of pull girls into it and that kind of stuff. They assaulted like twenty women in total, but the five murders were like the the biggest ones that they did. And they were called the toolbox mur- the toolbox murderers because they'd use stuff like pliers and ice picks and sledgehammers and stuff. Um, and, and this is when I was getting really into like my true crime and, and serial killer stuff. They used to record their victims. So they record the, the sessions that they did with them. And then when they dumped the bodies and they, they would play the tapes to the jury and you can access the tapes online and stuff. And I listened to one. It's one of my biggest regrets in life that I listened oh, really? to the tape because it is just like, nothing else can like touch me in terms of like horrible things. Cause like I've heard that tape, <laughs> it's just horrendous. Um, there was a FBI special agent who uh, created a criminal profile on them. And he said it was the most disturbing individual uh, for that. He'd ever kind of profiled of, of serial killers because they, they just were just the, the stuff that they did. It wasn't for like, and they just prolong it for as long as possible and just make it as as, as worse and as uncomfortable as possible. And they had no regret or anything like that for it um, in terms of what they were doing. So one of them, I can't remember which one now, but um, they were both obviously sentenced to, to life and stuff. But the other one kind of flipped on the other one and said, oh, it was all him, all this kind of stuff. So he just got life and then the other one kind of got the, the death penalty. America being the death penalty, like th- these guys were active in, in the 60s, 80s, late 70s. I think they got in prison in the 80s. Um, and they one of them died last year on death row and the other one the year before that. So they never actually saw um, capital punishment. They just kind of died on death row. But it's horrible, like probably the least count of all the people we've spoken about, just the five victims, but like the five amassed to the... 70 that we've got like just really nasty stuff so like if you're not familiar with the the toolbox murderers and you're into this kind of stuff it is fascinating to kind of delve into and see what they did and their their mindset because um around this time when the fbi were kind of profiling serial killers there is a fantastic show if people have never watched it uh mind hunt on netflix there's two seasons which is just unbelievably insanely good David Fincher behind it because he loves all of his crime stuff. And it's all about how them first in the 60s and 70s understanding what serial killers were because uh, they just thought they were just whack jobs and stuff. But then they started profiling them and realizing the patterns that we know of like childhood abuse and the uh, torturing of animals and the patterns that you see that we know from now comes from this research. So for anyone who wants like a really good watch, uh, watch the um, Mindhunter series on Netflix. It's so good. Nice. Done. Done. Right, one more. <sighs> Unless it's shit. People one are more. still... Honestly, everyone, <laughs> thank you for... 
Stick sticking with this. Like, unbelievable. I was expecting numbers to be dropping left, it's the right, most and mental, center. It's the most mental idea for a show, this is. Well but done, like, though. It's a nice idea. All of you sticking here, thank you so much. Like, this is amazing to kind of see. All right, let's I like see. that this also, this recording is going to be around forever as well. Yeah. Like, yeah. After, do you know what I mean? Like, on our Spotify or IT or whatever, like, our as as an episode, we'll be able to access us around. This. Yeah. yeah. Such a strange episode. <laughs> we had to do 19. We're like, we couldn't just do a normal kind of episode, could we? Like, oh, my top five scar bands. Like, we couldn't have done that. <laughs> yeah. We had, we had to go but that, that, I bet that's what will come up now. Love you, sweet angels. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. All right, let's uh, get on to next pick. We got deep into that one. Yeah, right? Come on. Five things we what? What's it gonna be? We'd buy if we were rich. Okay. Okay. Hmm. Okay. So this is we, our finale. We, we can nixnay stuff if you want. Do um, you want to spin again? Yeah. All right. Let's spin again. As it's the last one, let's go with something. <laughs> We're just gonna keep going until we get something we like. <laughs> Hope you like mariachi music. Well, this is interesting because this could um, go. Isn't there only like five Blink 182 albums? (laughs) No, there's like 12. Is there? Okay, fine. Uh, We can go for this because this might neatly lead into what we do in the future, maybe. Who knows? We've had discussions. I think maybe we should break this out next week. Like next week when we do our 100th episode, if we get stuck for stuff to talk about, we'll just. We'll keep the wheel going and we'll just uh <laughs> we'll continue this because it's kind of working. It's kind of working. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, All right, let's finish up with this. Um I will go first if you don't mind. Um sure. and uh, I I talked about it before. I think we did top five al- uh punk albums of the nineties or something like that. I'm gonna go with Cheshire Cat, which is their first proper album. They had an album before called Buddha, but it's very much a demo sort of album, really. Um, Cheshire Cat was their first proper album released in 94, it's raw it's not the sort of poppy blink that you come to know nowadays, it's got a cool sort of 90s um, youth feel to it do you know what I mean, like it just feels like yeah, it's just teenagers playing like fun music and not especially well but there's like clearly some talent there They're just because it's like charismatic and um, the songs are good and I just think um, it's a great album. It's the first Blink album I owned. Hated it when I first heard it um, because I was expecting a sort of all the small things style sound. Um, but I I grew very quickly to love it. And it has a very special place in my heart, that album. Yeah, I, I think that's that's a strong thing. We we both kind of have that love for Cheshire Cat. Uh, we played Carousel when we did that episode, if I remember correctly. Yes. And what a, what a great opener to that album. Eminem, Benoit Balls, just mm, love it. Yeah, Peggy Peggy Sue is a really underrated team. That's a really underrated team. Yeah, absolutely adore it. Uh, For me, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go California with this was Matt Skiba's first album after after Thomas DeLonge left the band. It was much better than it had any right Mm, to be. Really, yeah, like neighborhoods came neighbors whatever they called it neighborhoods it when, neighborhoods yeah. neighborhoods when when tom travis and mark got together and they released that album was just it was 
it was plus 44 and boxcar and angels and airwaves playing it wasn't blink 182 playing it was like all of these separate bands coming together and you knew tom wanted to do like his ava stuff and it was just like oh like that don't get me wrong there's a couple of great tracks on there and it'll be one of those ones you go back and go, oh this is really kind of cool but like it didn't hit the mark for a Blink-182 reunion album. No, you could tell that they were almost... Because they'd fallen out so badly before and then they got back together to make this album. You could tell they were almost scared to step on each other's toes. Do you know what I mean? It was like yeah, no ideas were nixed because they didn't want to fall out. So everything that they wanted to do just got thrown in there and it was too messy. Yeah, so so they tried to do everything um, as, as best as possible to kind of keep the peace. Yeah. Um, in California. And- but yeah, California comes in. Matt Skiba replaces Tom as like singer and guitarist, controversial as anything. And then they release California. Um, unbelievable. Produced by the lovely uh, John Feldman from uh, Goldfinger, by the way. Yeah, who's a... doing their next album as well. Yeah, they're working great, on it now. Great producer. And it just hits. It just hits so hard. Cynical comes in straight away, bored to death. She's out of her mind. Uh, Kings of the Weekend, like it's modern um, pop, pop punk, punk rock that's kind of playing, but it's also old Blink as well. The the line that they walk in this album is just for me perfection of what they kind of bring. No future, like there's just all of this kind of, and there's even like silly short songs like "Built This Pool," which you'd expect to see on like Enema of the State, where they're making like dick jokes and this kind really? of thing, but it works. It totally works. And um, I love that it came out the same year that Pokemon Go became massive as well. Yeah. It was like, holy shit, like Blink-182 have a number one album in the charts. Everyone's mad about Pokemon. It's like, it's 1999 again. This is amazing. (laughs) (laughs) This was a great year. So Descendants released Hypercathrum Spazinate this year. Uh, No Effects released their, fuck, what was it called? Their great album that they did that year. Stealth like I had titled, was it or coaster? I, no, um, no, it was like no. the one in between that. Uh, first ditch oh. effort. First ditch oh, effort yeah, yeah, yeah. was the one. So you had first ditch effort, hypercalf, and then um California. I had the best summer of my <laughs> life. It was so much fun. Um chasing they... Pikachu's around, listening to pop <laughs> pop punk. It was the best. I've I've been chasing that high ever since people. It just hasn't <laughs> left me. But like California, as you said, it didn't have that right to be as good as it was with like a new lineup and all this kind of stuff but they clearly went in and as we said compared to neighborhoods everyone was firing on the same cylinder of like this is what we want to create um skiball was obviously like let me just contribute as i can and then let's just make magic happen and they did and it's a shame that nine didn't really follow up to the same kind of standard but like for me california even though it's not original lineup it's not original blink is their without a doubt one of their best albums they've ever put out definitely Right, uh, my next choice is Blink-182, um, untitled. It's um, So people yeah. think of it as a self-titled album. They have confirmed it's, in fact, untitled. Um, released in 2003, the last album before the first breakup. Um, it's just such a big sound. Like, there's, it's, it's the only pop-punk album that I would call prog-punk or yeah. prog-pop-punk. It's difficult to explain, but, like, it's it's not they're still using the simple three chords that they that only they can use and that all pop punk uses but it's the song structures and the way the album's put together is just really experimental and different and it's really cool to hear something experimental that isn't musically complicated and i think that's actually quite difficult to make 
and I think it's a mature album for them. It sounds great. Oh, Steve, Steve, you're too old for Blinkwood eighty two, mate. We'll do um, we'll do top five. I Brian Adams, do with Steve, yeah, top five Brian Adams albums. We'll do that <laughs> next week or something. Um, it, yeah, it's just a mature sound uh, for them. I think it's an awesome album, um, and I had it on a lot when I was a teenager. This was 100% going to be one of my picks. Like, the Untitled album is unbelievable. You kick off with feeling this, and you are just, like, punched in the face. And then around that era when they were, it was the emo, punky phase going on, I miss you. Like, you and me in yeah, that yeah. pub garden is one of my favourite memories ever. <laughs> just listening to I miss Eddie you in Guerrero our little headphones. Died. Eddie Guerrero died, and yeah. we were sitting in a pub beer garden listening to listening to that. So, yeah, uh, yeah. unbelievable. Unbelievable album. Um, okay, so if I'm not doing Untitled, then I gotta go. Enema of the state. Classic. Gotta, it's, gotta, the, gotta, gotta. It's, the, it's the Blink album, isn't it? For me, the greatest track opening of any album in existence ever. Dumpweed. Dumpweed when also. that hits, and Dumpweed when they play it live as well. Had the pleasure of seeing Blink live. Ooh, sorry, microphone got a bit violent. <laughs> um, <laughs> hitting the mics. <laughs> so um, I had the pleasure of seeing Blink, and they opened with Dumpweed, and I couldn't be happier. Like the minute every. Because everything hits at once, and then the curtain drops, and it feels like that when you're listening to the album as well. Um, all the small things everyone knows from it. What's my age again? But then you got great songs in Adam's there. Song. Adam song as well, exactly. But like going away to college, aliens exist. Um, party song and fun. That's not yeah, exactly. Um, Dicentry Gary, oh, Wendy Clear. When like it's just, it's the we, whole just we just listened to the album. Don't leave me just to finish off the last one. Let's just let's just do the last one. It is just the quintessential two thousands pop punk, two thousands music. I would say like Animal yeah. State is just that American Pie skateboarding pop punk mesh of everything that we loved that kind of came in. Travis Barker's first Blink album as well. So and it shows. Yeah, Scott Rayner was their drummer before that, um, who was a perfectly good drummer, but Travis Barker is just next level. And that sort of polished sound that he brought to Blink by being such a phenomenal yeah, drummer, drummer, just amazing. Uh, What's going on? I can hear myself. <laughs> Loud noises happen. So come back. Um, yeah, uh, just, yeah, next level. Um, good choice. So my number one, based on that, for Blink, would be Take Off Your Pants and Jacket. I'll do you the bastard. Next I'm sorry. You're going to have to go for um, Dude, their album before Enema of the State. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I mean, uh, Take Off Your Pants and Jacket, perfect sequel to Enema of the State, um, perfect way to capitalize on their multi-platinum success. Uh, yeah. The big hits off of it, First Date, Rock Show, um, Stay Together for the Kids, Albums like that. Um, it, it's basically Enemy of the State Part 2, but yeah. it's um, just got some amazing songs on. I didn't get the pun of Take Off Your Pants and Jacket Don't get um, started. for quite a long time until I was like in my 20s, I think. <laughs> it took me Did a you, while. Because you, you, going back to a Loveline reference, like Mark Hoppus uh, and, and the band and stuff used to appear on Loveline quite a bit. And then when they were promoting Take Off Your Pants and Jacket, this kid phoned up and I can't remember what he said, but he was, he was like, what does take off your pants and jacket mean? And Mark said like, oh, you'll find out when you're older. And yeah. I heard that when I was like 20. And then for the next eight <laughs> years, I'm just like, what the fuck? What I, is, yeah. I, I couldn't hold down a job. I was I was distant <laughs> in relationships. Mine and Jesse's friendship suffered. And then one day I was like, take off your pants and jack, jack it. Oh, jack it. it. Like it. Yeah. Jack Genius. it off. Genius. <laughs> Enema of the State is a pretty funny album name as well. Yeah, unbelievable. 
Okay. Oh, oh, so, by Blink-182. I know, it's ridiculous. So, let's bring this home, baby. Tell me about Dude Raj. Okay. I do just want to say, take off your pants and jacket has the most consistent kind of, like, track listing. Absolutely yeah. love it. Um, Dude Ranch is very much that in-between of Cheshire Cat and Enema of the State. It's got the childishness of Cheshire Cat, but it's it's starting to lean towards... They're starting to write proper pop tunes, aren't they? Yeah, you've got stuff like Josie and Damn It and Apple Shampoo, but then you've got stuff like Voya and Lemmings and uh, Degenerate that are kind of in the Cheshire Cat era of stuff. So it, it literally is a 50-50 split of an album of like leaning one way or the other. And the, the success of Dude Ranch was was unbelievable. I, I, I feel like Blink was very much a right place, right time with this album. It's... Yeah. It's not as great as it's heralded in terms of like quality of, of album. Enemy of the State is so much better. And if you watch the Eureka Chronicles, they're so nervous about following up Dude Ranch because how can you? Because it was so insanely popular. Well, it went gold, which for them at the time was like, fuck me. Like, this yeah. is next level. But, it, but it, was, it was up there. It was, you know, they were playing Warp Tour. They had all of this kind of stuff going for them. And then somehow they kind of pulled out the bag with with Enema when when they bought that out. And Which just turned them, that was multi-platinum, turned them into like household names. It was crazy. Exactly. Yeah, it, they could have gone one way or the other. Like do uh, blink White could have been any of your, like I'm not shitting on bands like Lagwagon or Mill and Colin or anything like that, but like they're not held in the same revere as most pop punk bands, if you know what I mean. No, and this Screech, album Screeching switched. Weasel and Screeching the Weasel are the yeah. sort of bands that I would put, that's what Blink would be. If yeah, they it hadn't become this huge, and there's nothing wrong with Screech and Weasel and the Queers. I love them both, but if people know those bands, they'll know what I mean at their level of popularity and the sort yeah. of shows they do. Yeah, exactly that. So, um, Dude Ranch kind of hit the ground running. It's a fantastic, fantastic album. Like, damn it, is one of their greatest songs that they've ever written, without a doubt. Um, yeah. And it, it Mark Hoppus had a stinking cold when he recorded the vocals for that um, did song. He? Which is why when you listen to it, he sort of has this is that like this sort of throaty way he's singing it that he hasn't yeah. done in anything else that they've ever recorded, and that's because of his stinking cold. He had to get one last fact in everyone. He had to get there one. There you last go. Fact I'm in. a fact king. Fact king. All right. Um, shall we open up next week's episode with a top five straight off the bat? And we find out what it is right now. Yeah, okay. That'll be the start of next week's episode. Start of the hundredth episode, the okay. final episode of final episode. Um, so what will we start with next week? We're going to see what we're opening up the finals with. I hope it's good, otherwise next week's going to open with a shit. <laughs> the 100th episode, the final episode of Got Till 5, will start with... Not that one. Oh! oh. oh. The top five Pixar top five movies. five Pixar movies. We could do that. Easy. Easy. We'll rattle gonna... off at the start of next week and then um, more shenanigans afterwards. Exactly. Tune in. Next week, everyone, is the last ever episode of Got Till Five. That's it. It's done. What are we going to do? What are we going to do with ourselves? It's over. We're <laughs> going to do something else. But that will be the last time that you see me just seeing this beautiful orange format that you will. Exactly. Following that will be a blue format or something or other. Um, yeah, but yeah, 100 great. episodes, three and a half years. That was our last kind of proper pure top five. I think, how many did we do in the end? Five, six different top fives? Like We've been going for one hour and nearly 43 minutes. 
And you know what, everyone? We could. It's keep might be going. the longest. Yeah, we is could this keep the longest going. we've done ever. This in the new format. In the new format, we used yeah. to do like two hours on wrestling because we were like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> ever. Um, it'd be great. But um, <laughs> I really hope everyone can tune in next week. We're going to be promoting the shit out of it. We're going to hopefully get some special guests on that have been like instrumental, Stephen, um, who have kind of shown up on the show. We want to hear like your comments of like top fives that you want to see and this kind of stuff. We want to make next week a party, basically. And we want you to join us. So mark it in your calendars right now that next Thursday, 8.30 UK time, the death of Got Till 5 happens. But we're going to go out with a Bang, baby. It's going to be good time. Jesse's going to make out with Stone Cold. Oh, the... God. Yeah. Well, on camera. I mean, it's already happened, but it'll be the first time on camera. Exactly. I'm annoyed in that list was like top five Ric Flair matches. So maybe next week we'll get lucky. Well, if Ric Flair does depart us. you got <laughs> we one can... week left, Rick. That'll be an over, right? Yeah. We have always said that. We've said this for literally over a year, I think, that yeah. it would be really poetic if Ric Flair um, met his demise before our last episode. So who knows? We'll see. <laughs> who knows? But we don't, but, we don't actually want him to. We love no, him. No, no. It would just be convenient for our ratings. But yeah. the uh, So the show, just to give you a quick spoiler, the show is going to open with the top five Pixar movies and then there's going to be lots of random shit in the middle and then the show is going to end with top five Ric Flair matches. That's just that's just the, the flow of the show, people. The flow of Fine. the show. That's perfect. Um, thank you for tuning in. Uh, we're going to be broke and poor after this. Uh, podcast <laughs> ends. So head on over to gottill5.tmail.com to pick up some sweet, sweet, sweet merch. Uh, I'll work on a special anniversary t-shirt that will come out next week to commemorate our, our sweet, sweet demise. Uh, but in the meantime, please pick up some merch and support the show. You can also follow us on Twitter at gottill5. You can subscribe to us on all major platforms. That'd be greatly appreciated as well. And if you can't remember all of this, there is a handy website which you can go to, which is Gotto5.com. Mm, savor it while you can, my baby. You pointed the right way. You're a professional. I, I always find that really difficult. <sighs> know what I'm doing. Uh, thank you, everyone, for watching uh, for that random ass episode. Like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> don't know how you'd stayed, but God bless you for doing it. You're you're absolute angels. Jesse, thank you for... God bless us for doing it. We're the... My brain the hurts. Here. Yeah, me I too. I wasn't expecting to think today. No. Big mistake. Imagine <laughs> if we did this every week. Oh god. Oh, okay. So what the fuck if you guys are why if you guys are dying? Because our loved ones need to pay for the funeral cost, you insensitive dicks. So buy some t-shirts. <laughs> god damn. Have to explain everything Jesus. to these people. You expect us All to right. work for a living. Next Thursday, stay tuned to the socials. We're gonna be announcing stuff. It's gonna be fun. Cannot wait to see you bittersweet but excited for this final hurrah of an episode we love you thank you so much for tuning in for 99 episodes and we can't wait to see you next week my name is max his name is jesse <laughs> you fucked up you did it fucked up way. the point here. my name is max his name is jesse <laughs> thank you so much for watching and listening to got till five goodbye good night love you dearly Mwah, boy. Mwah.